Hello and welcome to another episode of The Mighty Rewind. This is a weekly podcast where at least two brothers get together and talk about a movie and a topic from popular culture that you may or may not care about. My name is Tyler. You got Brian here. And, oh, another pause this week. Jeff is not here. That's okay. We're talking about the Running Man from 1986, directed by Paul Michael Glasser, who uh, was the original Starsky from Starsky and Hutch. If you listened all the way to the end last week, that blew my mind in the last podcast. Uh, this movie was written by Stephen King and Stephen D'Souza, and it stars one of the most interesting casts for an 80s movie. Uh, you got Arnold Schwarzenegger, Maria Conchita Alonso. Yafet Koto, who plays uh, the bad guy in Live and Let Die. You got Jim Brown, star football player. You got Jesse the Body Ventura. You got Mick Fleetwood, the drummer from Fleetwood Mac. And you got Richard Dawson, the host of like Family Feud and all kinds of stuff. Like he was like a game show, like a real game show host in the 80s, which is. I don't know. I feel like it would take me out if I was watching this movie in the 80s and they were like, this is 2017. Richard Dawson is still a host of game shows. Um, but anyway, what do you think about that cast, Brian, for 1986? Um, I thought it was interesting. I, you know, obviously, you know, some of those names um completely surprised me i guess i shouldn't have been too surprised about jesse ventura because he's in predator with schwarzenegger hell yeah um but jim brown just blew my mind i saw it in the opening credits and was like okay i know that jim brown the nfl superstar did like a foray into movies at some point but is this the same jim brown that's a pretty generic name like mm-hmm. it's a very good chance it's somebody else and then as soon as i saw him on screen i was like oh shit it's jim brown i literally yeah. have his signed mini helmet in my collection because he's just one of the greatest football players of all time so oh yeah wow i remember seeing it in the credits and this time as well and being like there's no way that's like it's so funny to me like like you said like his name is so generic but like, also like, he's the only Jim Brown, you know what I mean, that comes to mind. I can't name another Jim Brown. Yeah, because yeah. that no one else would dare try to be Jim Brown after him. You know what I mean? Like he's so, he was just so incredible. Um. Anyway, yeah, crazy that he's in this movie. Obviously, Arnold Schwarzenegger would want him in it. Um. But yeah, um, Brian, you chose this movie this week. Uh, did you have a reason? Well, you know, obviously trying to, to fit the genre and um, I shout from the rooftops about how much I love Schwarzenegger and uh, Stallone and those 80s action movie stars. So to have a movie that fit the genre of Schwarzenegger's that I had not seen, I think was just a glaring um, uh, 
proof of neglect on my part. And I needed to get in there and, and start trying to round out my Schwarzenegger filmography because there's still a few that I haven't, haven't got my eyes on. So, um, yeah, overall, uh, I, I didn't know much about this film going in, but, um, you know, I guess I, I'll just jump right into my thoughts. Uh, totally. From a high level, let's not spoil. Okay. Or do you want to just jump into spoilers? I say, I say we're probably fine to just jump right into spoilers on this one. Yeah. Um, is is an it's old been out movie? Of long enough at this point. People have seen it, and I think you know what's going to happen. <laughs> like if you if you haven't seen this movie, like it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie from the eighties. What do you think is? You think there's going to be a surprise twist? No. Come yeah. on. Um, go ahead, jump in full thoughts. Let's hear it. Uh, it was fun, but I'm shocked at how high the tomato meter rating is on this movie. (laughs) There was, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just being harsh on a movie from the eighties and I need to look at it through a different lens, but, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed the ride, but at the same time, I didn't look at it as a necessarily quality film and, and it actually has a fairly fresh rating, which. We'll makes just, me just kind of question the quality of tomato meter ratings. <laughs> well, don't don't bury the lead. What what do we got? Sixty six percent tomato meter, which is not rotten. And, yeah, but uh, that's just above, right? Isn't sixty the cutoff? So I believe not, so. I believe so. But bad. but it's but it's not rotten. Is the point? And you know the sixty percent audience score, I think, is a little closer to you know kind of suggesting that this movie is you know. If you like Schwarzenegger, you'll probably like the movie. If you don't, you probably won't. Um, I don't know. I don't know like, if that's true. I think that like, this movie is good. Like for you, it, like time objectively, period. a well-made movie is what is what you're saying. For the time period, yeah. I mean, if for doing like a sci-fi, like future concept, um, yeah. I mean, they did what they could with what they had abil- uh, available, right? Like. I definitely think that the hunters are ridiculous and probably my favorite part of the movie. But like, I, I don't know. I just don't think that it's, there's no part of this movie that I'm like, that was bad. I guess I probably wouldn't have cast Arnold Schwarzenegger based on something you and I were just talking about, but uh, not on podcasts, but like Stephen King, when he originally wrote the novel, was portraying the character as what he called quote unquote scrawny and pre tubercular, um, which, uh, are not words I would use to describe Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, I think that this movie probably would have been more interesting with someone, someone more like an everyman type character, you know, sort of like what they accomplished in Die Hard with Bruce Willis. Right. He's balding. He's not like crazy ripped like Stallone or Schwarzenegger. Um, I think that a movie like this would have been more, more, uh, excuse me, more interesting with that. But as far as an Arnold Schwarzenegger 1980s action movie, this is one of the good ones, in my opinion. You know, so I, I think in my mind, I was comparing this to Demolition Man, which I looked up uh, just now. Might not be the fairest comparison because that was made six years later. Um, you know, in six years can be a lifetime in the movie industry, I'm sure with advancements in the tech and techniques. But, um, I just saw these two movies as, as, uh, comparable in that, you know, it's Schwarzenegger versus Stallone, you know, both in a futuristic, um, society where they, they 
you know, made predictions on what society was going to be like, which we'll segue into our topic uh, a little bit later. But, um, you know, so I just kind of, I guess in my mind, had these two movies side by side as I was watching it. And, and I thought Demolition Man, I just watched it a couple of weeks ago, so I can speak to this pretty confidently now. Um, definitely felt like it held up a little bit better in terms of the quality of the, the film. Um, so, Interesting. You know, I haven't seen I, that movie in a long time. I guess I'll uh, defer to you on whether six years is is uh, too too far of a gap to compare two movies um, in a fair. I mean, I don't know. Comparison. I was honestly thinking maybe a more fair comparison would be Judge Dredd, and then I just looked it up, and that movie came out in 1995, so it's even further um, apart. But you know, I don't, um, I don't think that that's too far to compare. I mean, you, it's quite a it's quite a leap in time, right? Um, looking at uh, just like movies that were made six years ago to like what's coming out now, right? There's different technologies. CGI has gotten better, right? Um, but at the same time, I still compare movies from like 2015 to like modern movies, and that was almost 10 years ago. So I don't, I don't think that's that's uh, unfair. I think that we should get into your thoughts on plot and character and all of that what did you so i'd seen this movie full full thought uh like full transparency like a lot i've seen this movie quite a few times um i like this movie it's one of my favorite Arnold schwarzenegger movies just because i love the ridiculousness of everything i love that when he's signing the kind of wave waving of his rights he stabs the pen through the guy <laughs> through the paper into the guy's back you Don't know what i mean to and, send me a copy yeah uh, <laughs> i love that when he ties the woman to a weight bench and then she's arguing with him he lifts it up and te- it's bolted to the ground and he breaks the hardwood out of her apartment you know what i mean like <laughs> i love the ridiculousness of arnold schwarzenegger being strong and them just like leaning into just like how strong arnold schwarzenegger is i think that's really funny and super entertaining yeah extremely entertaining i think that arnold schwarzenegger also has a run here where he just is in so many sci-fi movies and I just, like, I really appreciate that. You know, I mean, he's got Predator, he's got Terminator, he's got this, he's got, um, what the hell, Total Recall, he's got, um, I don't know, he's just got, like, a series of just, like, really great, mm-hmm. weird sci-fi movies that he just, like, I don't know, it, it just makes me feel like maybe Schwarzenegger is kind of a nerd, you know what I mean? Like, maybe he just loves that, like, whoa, what's the future going to be like? What's all this crazy shit, you know? I think that was just, you know, in that time period, they were doing a lot of that. You know, yeah, there's a sure. lot of movies, like what I was just talking about with Demolition Man, and I'm sure I could come up with those if I sat here, but um, that yeah. they were they were trying to, you know, like everyone like was making films about the future, right? And it's, the funny thing is, is, and I'll talk about that here in a second more, uh, that future they were addressing is now in our past. So we're going to, you know, segue into our main topic about that. But I'll say this for anyone looking for a recommendation that doesn't mind eighties movies, doesn't mind Schwarzenegger. This is a fun ride. It was, it was enjoyable. I did not think it was a bad movie. Um, I'm starting to look at Schwarzenegger the same way that I look at like uh, transformers. And we've <laughs> talked about this a couple times on this podcast, which is, if I'm going to see Transformers, as long as I see robots fighting 
and some crazy epic action scenes and some deep gravelly Optimus Prime quotes, I'm happy. With Schwarzenegger, it's, you know, him being a strong man and then playing that up and him having just the absolutely most ridiculous one-liners laced throughout the entire film. I swear, like I can name more movies where he does that than movies where he doesn't. And I'm just wondering if he writes it into his contract. Like I get to say one-liners, <laughs> you know, because it's like the whole thing that I, I just, I actually have a little section in my notes where I just said one-liners and I just wrote down everyone that I caught. It is just, I've got like eight of them in here because he just could Ooh. not throughout the whole film. They just kept sleep, slipping them in and I've never seen another actor have that. I you mean, know. It, you know, James Bond, it's a big part of James Bond, but... Um, I mean, like eight as times in actors, one film yeah. where he says something uh, that's a blatantly a zinger one-liner. Well, let's hear him. Run through him. Before we forget, let's run through him real quick. Yeah, so first off, he's signing that contract with that guy, and he's just like... Send me a copy. Don't forget to send me a copy. Yeah. And then he's like... Uh, he kills Sub-Zero, and he's like, now, plane zero... <laughs> 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 and then he kills that guy i also uh, feel like maybe first sorry to interrupt maybe some of them come across as one-liners because of his line delivery you know what i mean like don't forget to send me a copy like if another actor just kind of threw that one away it wouldn't sound like a um like an a one-liner singer. you know what i mean yeah but like the way that schwarzenegger re- re- i think he reads a script and he's like oh I got the line reading for this one. You know what I mean? It's oh going to be God. a quote. Yeah. It was but, just yeah. all over. Like every time he killed somebody, he had something for it. He's like, he killed that guy by hitting him in the neck. And he was like, he was a real pain in the neck. <laughs> I was like, God, <laughs> that was bad, dude. I feel like they're just letting him ad lib. And they're like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> just yeah. leave it in. And like, and then he splits the dude with his chainsaw. Or no, at first he's like in the hand to hand combat with that guy. And he's like, that's all right. You keep it. And then he kills the guy. And then they're like, what happened to the bone saw? And he's like, he had to split. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, oh, my gosh. So I think maybe this got mentioned recently now that I think about it. Or maybe that was outside of the pod. But um, back in the day, uh, used to go to get togethers at Tyler's uh, place in Portland. And... uh, once or twice we would just put on on the tv in the background for background noise the youtube video uh which is 10 hours of schwarzenegger quotes yeah um and it's just the one-liner zingers that he's just famous for throughout his career from all his movies um eventually they start to repeat but yeah yeah we found out that there there's a loop at like the two hour mark but it it was still that's a um, full movie of just Arnold Schwarzenegger quotes. So it's just yeah, it's just going from movie to movie and just showing the one-liner moments. And I, I'm sure that these were all in there, and I just hadn't seen the movie yet. But um, yeah, that's just something that Schwarzenegger is just known for, and it, it is this movie is just riddled with his, uh, you know, little one-liner zingers. But you know, honestly, I find it kind of wholesome, and, and like if you expect something like that, uh, and and you don't mind it, you're gonna enjoy it. Yeah, I love it. Um, that's what I'm here for with his movies. You know what I mean? Like I want, I want that. So, I mean, even lines that he aren't like aren't supposed to be like one-liners. Like you son of a bitch when he when Carl Weather walks Carl Weathers walks in in Predator. You know what I mean? Like I just, I don't know. There's just something about 
the his, just Schwarzenegger's voice and just like his line delivery of everything, it comes across as quotable, you know? Um, and I think people eventually started writing into that. Like they were like, oh, okay, like everything sounds quotable from him. Um, let's just write things that Son will be quotable for him or whatever, yeah. you know? Um, I love that he brings back I'll Be Back in this one. Uh, yeah, he said that and I was like, he said that in the other movies, right? It's like, in Terminator. Yeah, yeah that's like, from Terminator. I was like, is that a like a call to the one or did I just mix up my movies and this is the one where he says it? No, it's in Terminator where he, he goes to the police station where Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese are being held. And then he's trying to get in and the guy basically says like, oh, I need to see your ID or whatever. Or you need to be next of kin or whatever. And I, and I need proof of identification, something like that. And then he scrolls through the like text answers and comes up with i'll be back and then it just became quoted you know it's just like that's one of his quotable lines now and it's like why <laughs> it's just because it sounds cool when he says it um so yeah that's just a reference to that um what other lines did you write down uh let's see Oh, I think when he's breaking out of the prison, he like picks up a security guard and throws him or something. And he's like, mm -hmm. give you a lift. Yeah. And then he like picks the guy up and bodies him or something like that. Yeah, that's exactly right. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. I, I, I think I missed a few too. But by the way, I have a, my first note I wrote down was Schwarzenegger with a beard. Because right? he's got facial hair in the, when he's in the prison scene. And I thought, I don't know if I've ever seen him with facial hair on his face. Can you think of a movie where he's got facial hair? Hmm. I don't know. I can't think of. I I definitely have seen him with a beard before, but I don't know that I've that I can. Uh, I can remember why he had a beard, you know. Um. Um. Oh yeah. So he definitely has a beard in like later Terminator movies. I think. Uh, I, uh, I don't. I don't know. I think I'm just like not when he's young. Does that make sense? I not uh, like I can remember him with like a gray beard in recent years because he's an older man. You know what I mean? But that's it. That's I don't know. It doesn't. Yeah, it didn't feel weird guy. to see him without it, or to see him with a beard. I guess. Yeah, I was like, I was like, wow, man. I don't think I've ever seen him with any facial hair on. I don't even think he can grow a full beard from what I saw. But maybe that's blasphemy. Anyway, um, so about some of these other characters, I think it's worth kind of diving in a little bit deeper. Um, I I thought it was funny to see Jesse Ventura. Um, for those that don't know, uh, Jesse Ventura like did the whole acting thing, and, and like then he was governor of Minnesota for a while. I think. I think maybe it's currently still. I don't really know. I, yeah, I don't know anything about Minnesota. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, other than the Minnesota Vikings, what do you want to know? <laughs> Former governor of Minnesota. Yeah, I don't think he. It's I think it's been a long time, but um, kind of an eccentric personality. Definitely has been. Um, God damn, he aged like yeah, he shit. did not age well. He looks terrible. <laughs> yeah, but back my then, word, total, total freaking stud. He's in Predator, and you know he's just one of the other badass special commandos that stacks up next to Schwarzenegger. And I mean, he's the body. Jesse the body Ventura right, right. that's his turn you know what yeah I mean? it's in and uh so he's kind of an interesting character in real life um 
you know, in this film, I thought he played a kind of a, a funny character that honestly got kind of dogged because he didn't even really get involved in the actual action. He just did like a little simulation thing to trick the crowd or whatever. But mm-hmm. anyway, uh, Jim Brown's character, I, you know, I'll say this, like I was excited to see him on screen, but you know, then I was like, okay, they had to give him some tech because he's just not physically of the same stature as some of these other gladiators that are sitting next to Schwarzenegger, you know, he's mm-hmm. just, a, he's a running back in the NFL. He wasn't like some gigantic behemoth defensive end or something like that. Um, but, you know, still cool to see him on screen. Obviously, his acting chops, I think, were somewhat limited. But, you know, it was fine for the for the role he played. Um, I don't know anything about the lead actress. Did, was she ever in anything else? Maria Conchita Alonso? Yeah. She definitely is. Uh, let me pull her up real quick. Um, I'm pretty sure she was like a singer. Uh, yeah, it looks like she was a singer. She started out as a singer from Venezuela. Um, do, 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 and let's see what her acting career is. She's in Predator 2. And not a lot else. I know her because her name is very memorable. Um, do, do, do. Hmm. Anyway, I, I wanted to say this about her character. Uh, I don't think they could have written it the same way in modern day because she goes from being like, oh, I'm kidnapped by this horrible man to thrust into the arena with him just because, you know, media is treating us like pawns or whatever. But then with no romantic connection anywhere else played out or developed throughout the rest of the film, at the end, he just like walks up and just like smooshes her. And I was just like, what like that is so downplaying her like her as a character you know she's just his arm piece mm-hmm. suddenly and it was just kind of like i you know in a modern day i would hope that they would have approached that character a little differently given her a little bit more i don't know i mean i will say the way that you're describing it is exactly how people um described uh what's her name from um ron howard's daughter from Bryce Dallas Howard from Jurassic Park 1 or Jurassic World, the first Jurassic World, where it's like at no point throughout the movie are her and Chris Pratt romantic and they even seem to dislike each other. And then all of a sudden at the end, they kiss and everybody's like, wait, what? <laughs> why, why did they like, kiss? Why they do don't... you need to shove that in there? Yeah, yeah who, why can't they just work together? Like, who, why did they have to be romantic at the end? They didn't seem to like each other throughout the whole movie. So why did they kiss at the end? You know? Um, so, yeah, you're not alone there. Um, just quickly, Maria Conchita Alonso, I, she's in Colors, which is a movie that is very largely forgotten. It's like a race relations situation um, between gangs and cops in Los Angeles. Uh, has one of the greatest songs ever by Ice-T comes from it called Colors. Everybody should listen to it. Um, and then Vampire's Kiss, which is a Nicolas Cage movie. <clears throat> excuse me the year after that and then predator 2 and then after that she has done a lot of tv um but i think she's like a very famous singer in south america so she's pretty prolific um anyway it sounds like i didn't do her justice she's a bigger star than i realized i think she's but a yeah. bigger star in south america than she but is absolutely here. bizarre character development for her and i just did not get that at the end other than the fact that i was like it's the 80s people just were good with this back then and or i think nowadays, it, that's weird 
I think it was way less that people are good with it and, ex- and more so that the internet didn't exist. And now with the advent of the internet, women are able to speak up and be like, hey, why are all female characters written so terribly? And why do they always have to kiss men that they don't like? And then writers now are like, oh, I guess I'd never really thought about how the man should not be a piece of shit the whole movie and then also get the girl at the end because maybe that's creating a weird world where men think that they deserve women for no reason. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't disagree with you on that. What about the the actual game? Like, let's talk about, like, the game show aspect of this. I find that to be the most interesting bit of this. First of all, before we get into that, actually, did you, did you get, like, a weird cancel culture kind of situation going on with how they turned the public against Arnold Schwarzenegger to put him into the game. I kind of was like, oh, this is kind of predicting like how people take um, any little thing. It was a different, it was I different, but it was so like, maybe see... you don't know the whole story and then the public can be turned and manipulated. I, you know what I mean? I don't know. It kind I, of I felt... can see that. I, I think less cancel culture and more. I was picturing how the media message can be controlled. And it's sure. not necessarily the truth. And like, you can't just, well, and, and how the public will just accept what's put in front of them if it's from a official source, right? And it's something that has been getting challenged in recent years, which is like, what what is truth versus media bias, right? And I see stuff getting called out all the time these days as people become more sensitive to that and more aware that like that's possible. I don't know if you've ever seen that video, Um where somebody mashed up like all the local news channels saying the exact same message about how yes, there's a danger to our democracy, you know, like yeah. that video is chilling and it's exactly what I kind of got from this um, film, I mean, which is like the media come from John can Oliver? be used as a method of control. What did that come from John Oliver? I think that video came from John Oliver. I, I think it just, um, it like might've just been everywhere, it released but... it online and it's just gone in everywhere now. Cause it's just such a crazy dystopian nightmare suggestion. But yeah, really um, upsetting. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, may, okay, maybe, yeah, maybe less so cancel culture. I do think the cancel culture aspect is in there where it's just like they showed you this and then everybody immediately was like, yeah, throw him in the game, kill him. Let's let watch this man die. You know what I mean? And I think that that's just like more about how the public is just ready for blood. I guess that's more what I meant. Um, but definitely the media message is a big aspect of that, isn't it? You're right. I think that the way that the media can, can kind of control and manipulate the pub, the public and the populace and public opinion is at the forefront here for sure. Um, reality shows were not that big in the, at this time yet. You know, I think that maybe WWE was just become like just gaining its most public or like was at its height at this point. Right. Um, so I, I I was telling you before the podcast, I did a lot of research trying to figure out what inspired Stephen King to do this, because it is interesting that they were able to, or he was able to predict, I mean, obviously their future is different than what our future is, right? It's not quite to this level, but it's not that far off, right? Like reality shows and the violence inherent in them is... um is on the forefront here and like the way that America has sort of 
latched onto them and like they're get they're continuing to get weird like i mean between the masked singer and this like i'm not i'm seeing very little difference i guess is what i'm saying i know one is where people get hunted and killed but the the strangeness of it and the fervor around it is very similar to me um and I don't feel like it's that far of a leap before we do put prisoners on in like a game where it's like, hey, you can get free if you can get past this. It's but gamer. if you die, we're just going to watch it. You know, I mean, Squid Game, we just watched Squid Game. It's basically doing the same thing. Yeah, it's except for it's, it's less of a reality show. It's Sorry. Like, so it, about the game itself. Um, first, let me say this movie is, is set in 2019. To put we, that in 2017? It's twenty. I, I saw twenty nineteen when I googled that. Maybe I have a different source, but um, twenty seventeen, twenty nineteen, same point though. I mean, yeah, we are past sure. that time in, right in history already, mm-hmm. and they were predicting that this was going to be accepted television <laughs> by the local pop or like by the general populace. Yeah, absolutely nailed it. I'm I'm a huge and avid football fan, which I think is the closest um, comp to this type of entertainment, right? We are watching and exalting these superstars in a very violent uh, I mean, entertainment. I watch you. Uh, I watch Ultimate Fighting and boxing right. all the time. Yeah. It's like, exactly so the same thing. Just any sports violent. with any amount of violence, like that's what we're watching. And, and the one thing I will say is, and what they might have missed in this, I don't know, or maybe we're just not there yet and they just predicted a little early is there's been more pushback in favor of the health of these athletes and and getting away from being okay with injuries. Like there's so much stuff out there now about concussions in football. And, you know, there's so many rules in place to try to limit injuries in different ways that are enacted on a yearly basis to try to keep the product healthy and safe. Um, whereas this is suggesting a society where people have just become okay with murder on television, like actual live murder. Mm-hmm. And, we're, you know, I, I don't know if we're heading in that direction. You know, I part mean, of me is like... what was that thing earlier this season where, like, the guy had the heart attack on field and the announcers were like, they well, they the should game. get the game, get started any minute now. Like, they yeah, were, like, pushing for out. the game to restart before they even got the guy off the field. Well, they just, like, well no, they were just saying, hey, I think the game's going to get back going here. And then there were a bunch of tweets going out, people being like, there's no way they can cancel this game because it was this huge pivotal game that just decided playoff seating. And they were like, we can't even conceive of how they're going to cancel this game. It, like, has huge ramifications for the, for the playoffs. And it did. And I get why they were saying that in the moment because this stuff doesn't happen very often. But, yeah, there was a player that, you know, made a tackle and then stood up and then immediately passed out like and fell back to the ground and they were like doing CPR on them right there on the field in front of thousands of people and millions of people at home. And, uh, you know, yeah, that's, you know, there's a, a huge public backlash. So I, I don't know, it'd be maybe an interesting debate to see, you know, see how people feel about whether we're heading towards this kind of entertainment or away from it more. I, I would argue right now, maybe away from it. Um, but either which way, kind of interesting that they're suggesting that, you know, at some point we'd be so desensitized to the violence that we'd be happy to watch live murder on screen. Yeah. I mean, well, what I'm, I mean, in all honesty, like the UFC has gotten more sanitized over the years, right? Like it started off and people were like breaking bones and like doing like 12 to six elbows and like really like trying to hurt people. And now it's, you know, it's still fighting, 
still very violent. The concept, they're like the goal is to knock someone out, right? Make them unconscious, but people did not make it out of those uh, with like, intact very often um, back then. So it's gotten a lot cleaner. Football, all the padding, all the different types of hitting that have been banned, like you know, it's it's getting cleaner. you know, throughout the years, hockey, there's more penalties around fighting, um, because safety, right? Like they want safety. They don't want people getting hurt all the time. And part of me likes that. Part of me is like, one of the reasons I like hockey is the fighting. So I don't know. Um, all that stuff's getting more and more limited though, which is, you know, to my point, like, I don't know if we're heading towards this, you know, I I think 20, 30, 40 years from now, we're all picturing a future where people are murdering each other. For I don't know. I mean, if overpopulation continues on its trend upward, it looks like it's leveling out and even trending downward. But now, but eventually, it, you know, everybody I know is either pregnant or just had a baby, including me and you. Well, so, what does overpopulation have to do with whether we're okay with watching murder on TV? Well, we got to we gotta make some room. That's well, it's not like I'm those saying. guys are killing <laughs> enough to, cur- you know, stop the... the- well upward this, curve <laughs> that's what i'm saying this movie and this story are limited because the thing is they're saying that it's a government controlled police state but i don't think that the government i mean and this can kind of segue into our topic today i don't think the future is a government controlled police state i think it's like a corporate controlled police state 100%, 100%. where a bunch of different corporations will have their own versions of police and they'll all have their own version of a murder tv show that we watch Taco Bell owns everything. No, it'll be like that's demolition, man. It'll be, yeah, it'll be uh, Amazon versus Apple versus Disney, and so, Disney so will have its own weird cartoon murder show or something. Great moment to pause. I think we'll jump into the main topic here, um, and just say what we're addressing now is uh, old movies that attempted to. Um, convey a prediction of the future, right? What their vision of the future was in Running Man, uh, in, you know, other movies that we'll mention, Back to the Future, stuff like that, where they portray a character being either being in a futuristic society or traveling to one, and then what they thought that was going to be like. Uh, I know there was so much stuff around Back to the Future and how he's flying around on a hoverboard, hover skateboard, and you know people were like yo where's my shoes that tie themselves and you yeah, know i still want those yeah things that just like did not come into fruition and like all the predictions about flying cars and stuff that just we don't have them and you know we were promised flying cars by now kind of thing so um you know i'll, I'll just say in, in the context of this movie still felt super 80s to me it like it just it was you know they're trying to portray 2017 or 19 or whatever and it still felt like an 80s vibe to me. And I could not get past it. Like the cars just look like 80s cars with like a body kit on them to extend them or something. Oh, and they're like really shitty like fiberglass. Atta- like they, they duct taped on like a front end that was yeah. like way too smooth to be a car's front it did not end. Yeah, it looked yeah. so funny to me. Yeah, yeah, I really loved that. I, I, um, oh, and they had jazzercising. Like it, I guess they thought that was going to last. <laughs> yeah. Because oh, they My showed favorite. them just getting down in the beginning of the the show, and I was just like, "When was the last time that we had that as a popular thing?" Well, those women were like uh, cheerleaders, right? 
Yeah, they were jazzercising. They were in the jazzercise outfits and they were literally doing the dance routines. What is jazzercising? I don't know what jazzercise. I know I what it is. I, I, I conceptually have an idea. It's like dancing exercise. But. Yeah, I think it's like that constant moving. Like it's not really dancing. It's like it's just like high energy frenetic movement. Like, you know. <laughs> okay. I'll take your word for it. Um, you know what I'm talking about. You know the difference between jazzercising and cheerleaders, I hope. Like, do I really have to explain it? I, I, I don't know what I thought that they just seemed like intro dancers. I don't know. I guess I didn't think that that was that weird. No, they were in spandex with sweatbands and they were dancing to jazzercising music. And But it wasn't dancing. They were doing like, I, I guess it was dancing, but like, I don't know. It, it was a jazzercise vibe if I've ever seen one. And they predicted that was going to last last 30 years. And I don't even think it made it 10. <laughs> so uh, bad prediction there. But yeah, and then and then you know, going into the commentary about, you know, the government and media, it seemed like there was a huge um, conflict of interest there. Because, I mean, this showrunner is literally like trying to drive his ratings and is like, let me catch that political prisoner and drag him onto my show to Mm -hmm. spike my ratings. And not only that, he is then able to just take an innocent civilian with no trial (laughs) and throw her into the arena yeah that's to to get killed as well and it's like well he works for the state right so he has that power i guess i guess the insinuation is that he actually is an authority and then also the public face of it there was like an interesting line where they were like you know he was like i need that guy on my show and they were like you know we don't ever get military prisoners Mm -hmm. and i was wondering why they said that like they were trying to suggest that there's some kind of separation where the military has managed to remain independent and kind of above or something um which I thought was fascinating because, you know, they're they're literally speaking to how he's not able to get his hand, like him, the most powerful, you know, entertainment presence or whatever is not able to get his hands on military prisoners. Like, why is that? You know, like what is going on there? And they don't get into it. But, um, you know, I found it kind of interesting that there's kind of suggesting that there's uh, a separation there still. Um, because, you know, like what we're saying is, yeah, if you made a movie right now about 30 years from now, you probably got to have some prediction in there about corporations being heavily involved in government, you know, in a public way. Cause now, you know, they're doing it through lobbying and, and donations, but you know, at some point that's probably going to get, become a more blurred line. I would not be surprised if it, yeah, if it does. What about what, what do we think? I mean, sorry. We're in the topic now, right? Where we're talking yep. about movies yep. and their futures. Okay. Demolition Man. You just watched it. I'm looking at a list and Demolition Man is on this list and I just read their their explanation. Um, what did you think about Demolition Man that was interesting? Like as far as like its prediction for the future. Because there is one bit here that I'm like, oh, I forgot about this part. I was trying to remember why the, the city seemed so empty in that movie. You know? <laughs> yeah. Do you know why? Why the city seems so empty? I can't remember. Society is recovering from a massive earthquake, which unleashed deadly viruses and even destroyed the restaurant industry. Physical contact is now banned and people are introduced to video calling exclusively. Does this remind you of anything? The pandemic? Yeah. And video calling, which is how we're speaking right now. And the restaurant industry, like we can talk about specifically in Portland, like a lot of the best restaurants in the city that were privately owned get like just had to close their doors forever. And they were really successful in Portland, but you know, they can't compete against the taco bells of the world to speak of demolition, man. Cause isn't taco bell a big deal in that movie? 
Yeah, they, they it's like exclusively is, everything is Taco Bell. Yeah, they've, yeah. they've <laughs> basically successfully monopolized industries, and so it's like everything is Taco Bell. That's so funny. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Like, what an interesting prediction. You know, yeah. I don't know if they were just trying to be funny with that or if they thought Taco Bell was just going to explode. <laughs> I think they probably went to a couple different fast food restaurants and offered them that position in the movie, and Taco Bell was right. like, all right, <laughs> you know, why not? Yeah, they also have a Schwarzenegger presidential library in that, which is funny because, you know, he ended up becoming governor mm-hmm. like 10 years later. And it's, you know, it was kind of like, uh, yeah. he, he can't run for president, right? Because they were about to nail that one. So they got pretty good on that one because he became governor of California, as we all know. Um, they also predict self-driving cars. Mm. Um, and not only that, but when accidents occur, they had a really interesting scene where he gets into an accident and like the whole the foam yeah, yeah. cab fills up with foam that saves him. I always thought that was kind of genius yeah. if, it's, if it's possible, but, uh, I, I still think about that scene all the time. I'm like, yeah. is that possible? Yeah. Kind of smart. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, the same thing with, uh, iRobot where like all the cars are on magnetic roads and I'm always like, dude, like that's gotta be the future, right? That seems like yeah, it makes but a lot of sense. Yeah, but yeah, we're years would from be now, but, insane. But 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 my point is, is like you think that there'd be some kind of similar solution that would be completely applicable, applicable. Um, but anyway, yeah. So Demolition Man has some moments like that. This one didn't have as many predictions because you spent a lot of the time inside the game. I'm trying to think. Oh, she had a Bowflex in her apartment, I think, which I thought was funny. I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> we all still doing that in <laughs> Running Man. In Running Man, she had a, like I'm trying to remember. Like I think she had. A I don't TV. remember seeing that, but yeah, she, she definitely had a weight bench in her apartment. Yeah, there was but, like a you could see like a Bowflex in one one of the shots. And I was a Bowflex of. around in the 80s, 87, or maybe it was some similar machine to Bowflex. It looked like a bow, yeah, that bow design. Sure. What other wrong. movies did you write down that you thought predicted the future in any interesting way, or had an interesting future prediction? So I just that started, didn't come true. I just started writing anything down that I thought spoke to the future like back to the future they they made some strong predictions about different things um that most of which did not really turn out to be true although i'll say um one thing you often see actually almost always see with future predictions in movies is the people dress more and more eccentric oh yeah and, or there's like weird yeah exactly just like back weird to the future accents. like they all look super bizarre like if you think about hunger games that's like a dystopian future Everybody is dressed super bizarrely. It was like one of the big themes of the of the books and films. Um, what else? Uh, Altered Carbon. It's kind of like that. It's just super weird. I mean, that one's like a thousand years from now, so I don't know if we can really talk about that too much. But in most of those films, um, I think Blade Runner. Everyone's kind of weird looking too, right? Doesn't everyone dress all bizarre in the future in that one? Yeah, I think that that's just sort of like a sci-fi kind of thing right like they just kind of do that in sci-fi in general but yeah for sure there's there's just like weird accents to their outfits you know what i mean so it's like oh they're wearing a blazer but the lapel peeks out over the shoulder or something crazy you know what i mean it's like okay i mean maybe maybe that will be that will happen you know 30 years in the future how how could you say i'll say this i mean did you see what sam smith wore to the grammys that crazy inflatable (laughs) spandex suit so i mean people are wearing weirder and weirder shit they're not wrong (laughs) yes yes i did see that and yes you're right i think i'll say it this way though i i cannot look at those iconic moments on the red carpet or the modeling stuff you see of like crazy fashion shows and apply that to society. I just don't no. think you see that ever. You're right. 
It's well, it doesn't. Yeah, it never gets like directly adopted. Yeah, most people right, are just like, rocking jeans and a t-shirt. Like it's not like we're in some society where everyone's walking around with these crazy eccentric hairdos and you know crazy garb. You know, like in makeup. Like most people are just normal and just going about their day, and not much has changed from the eighties. You know, other than still, we're not wearing bell bottoms. There is like a cen- a center line for fashion, right? And it changes like jeans. Like you can look at a progression of jeans throughout the years and like in the 90s it was baggy but like you know the center line was more of like a not a slim fit but like a straight fit right that center line became a little bit slimmer through the last 10 years right to where people are wearing borderline skinny every man is wearing borderline skinny jeans even people who are you know not emo like i was and wearing skinny jeans when i was you know 11 or whatever but now that center line is starting to get looser again people are starting to move away and the people on the fringes are wearing like double wide like you know double xl oversized jeans but that center line is just sort sort of loosening back up back to that straight fit and it's going to just keep kind of moving around like that but people are going to be on the outer fringes of fashion for sure, but I don't think that center line is ever going to get that crazy off. Right. I think then people again, understand there's just a general understanding of like, you know, a decent garb to wear out and you can push sure. the boundaries and you know, I think we're getting maybe less judgmental over time, I don't know, hopefully. Um know. we're over watching time, or people are just more okay with just kind of letting their freak flag fly, fly or whatever you say, but um you yeah. know, at the end of the day, uh you know, these movies portray futuristic style as completely off the reservation and i always find that so fascinating because you know we're a couple of years past where they were predicting and you know we're looking pretty normal man you know i'll say this people in the crowd at the running man live taping or whatever during the movie they weren't dressed super crazy or anything like that but no. um you know i think in movies in general you see that stuff like and and it's just absolutely bizarre the way they portray the future like they just think everyone's just going to be completely eccentric i, I like guess the that's way that's not that really eccentric these, in that time though i like the way that all these movies predict what we're going to do with um computers they're like this is what computer systems going to look like and like that hacking scene where it's just like weird diodes that he's moving and they become numbers it's like you thought that's what computer systems are going to be <laughs> what the <laughs> hell is that how do you operate that <laughs> there's like four buttons that it just don't mean anything like what the hell is this you know i need a keyboard on everything i own so i can manipulate any program yeah the, crazy. The, the biggest thing i realized when i was writing down these other movies and maybe you can uh, section this off even further is that I, I saw kind of two categories for the future one type of movie is obviously like the apocalypse hits here at some point, right? Nuclear, yeah, dystopia, warfare, yeah. zombies, uh, the cordyceps virus, you know, and Last of Us, <laughs> uh, you know, aliens come and ruin the earth, you know, whatever uh, world-ending event, you know, that they're now dealing with, right? That's one future. The other one is typically uh, the rich, that the wealth gap has gotten so extreme between rich and poor, that you know now we're just following poor people in the future and like what they have to deal with like um what's the movie with matt damon where uh he's trying to get up to the health elysium elysium like that one is kind of a good example of this where it's like this future where earth is just turned into a ball of dirt 
that you know is almost uninhabitable and yet the masses are living down there because they're too broke to go live up on elysium which is this beautiful space station where the rich are living and you know these long and healthy lives oh yeah because they have the, like the booth the, like the sun tanning booth that cures all illnesses or whatever yeah except the sun tanning booth. <laughs> yeah. that's what it looks like right it looks like it a out, little man just get a tan it's like a pod that you just like lay down in and then it yeah. cures cancer but, or whatever you know i, I briefly like, mentioned real steel before we got on the pod and that's that one's another one where it's you know and actually hugh jackman has the other one where uh him and uh danny newton are getting into people's going memories. With memories yeah what's what it called again called? Okay, I don't know. I just anyway, I can't uh, remember. but the, you know that one. It's like, you know, like you can just see the portrayal of like rich and poor. The slums is like, you know, the middle class now. You know what I mean? Like it just expands out to encompass a wider swath of the population, right? Real still, you see that. Like you see a lot of like this underground stuff going on because, you know, one we're following a character that's dealing with that, but two because it's it's so it's such a bigger part of the society at this point because that wealth gap has just continued to expand which i think that's probably a pretty solid prediction <laughs> if i was making a film i'm probably making one of those where the, the rich are just getting richer and the poor are just getting poorer and we never find a way to break out of that cycle you know yeah which is really upsetting but it's really upsetting but yeah. so but so obvious you know like what are you gonna do so yeah. you know I, I think that's typically the two buckets that i'm seeing here um I don't think we need to spend too much time on any of that, but you know, I think just in general that that prediction, uh, you know, I think this type of movie, you know, if you were gonna put it like say where it was leading, it's probably leading into that second bucket I talked about, which is like these people are are being controlled by this tool, which is entertainment and media. And yeah, it's like escapism from their lives. They're being right? told what to think. Yeah. Right. And all the while, the rich are taking money out of their pockets in the form of what they're paying for, you know, in order to continue to enjoy this entertainment and get out of their crappy lives. You know what I mean? And like the rich are just getting richer. The rich are just gaining more control. They're finding what limits they can push. Now they're throwing uh, a cop who did nothing wrong into the arena because they just fabricated some story about how he's the butcher of Boston or whatever it was. Bakersfield. Bak yeah, Bakersfield. There you go. Ba he a killed a million people in Bakersfield, California. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Population really exploded over there. God damn, dude. Can you imagine if Bakersfield became a hot spot for people to live? It's like the hottest city in California. It's so hot. It's probably not. I mean, it's just outside Death Valley. Let's say that. Okay. But yeah, Bakersfield. No. Not yeah. Down. So, um, you know, I think this movie was kind of lending itself to like, look at all these rabid fans that just all they care about is just this entertainment, you know, and like the dudes like the bone saw gets out of his car and everyone's like swarming him and then he shoves the dude to the ground and the guy's like, he touched me. He touched me. Bones, you guys see that? just absolutely stoked on this entertainment that like he doesn't even care that he was just like physically assaulted, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, you know, I found it fascinating, but I also see movies like that. And I just think like how depressing because, I, you know, you, you see how they're kind of on the nose with some of that stuff, you know. Yeah, it's exaggerated, but they're not wrong. Like there is a kernel of truth that they have recognized. And yes, they they expanded on it. They exaggerated it. But I mean, 
it, yeah, the problems that they are referencing are true and we're not, they're not getting better. Like, it's crazy that they were focusing on this in 1987 and they're like, what if? And then we're looking at it now and we're like, oof, this kinda. is kind of close to what's actually happening, man. Yeah, like, other than the murder part, I'd probably watch that show. <laughs> yeah, it's not that far off from, you know, American Gladiators or Wipeout or, or football, yeah. Or football or the UFC or anything like that. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's tough. Um, I think we can move on though because you and I actually both made time this week to go to the movies and see yes. a new release. Did you go see Dungeons and Dragons? I did. Cool. Let's talk about it real quick. Yeah. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I'm going to just say quickly, full spoilers for a movie that just released. Skip ahead, you know, 10 minutes if or 15 minutes or, you know, come back and listen to this half of the show, this last bit of the show um, after you've seen the movie, because there is quite a lot to spoil in it. Um, cool. Go ahead, Brian. We can still speak in generalities if you want, but. Oh, we no, can also I, spoil it. Yeah, let's okay. spoil it. Let's spoil All it. All right. Let's just talk about Full spoilers. Go ahead. Uh, it was ahead. everything I was hoping it would be. It was funny, you know, fun adventure. I think I think they did a great, made a great choice uh, having Chris Pine, Chris Pine be this kind of helpless bard that's just a fast-talking thinker instead of him being some hero or like some like, pro, you know, prototypical hero. You know, was, I the part that's living rent-free in my head right now is when they're breaking out of their bonds and she's just like whooping everybody like black widow style. And he's like struggling to get his bonds off his wrist. And he's like, now we got them. And he's just like acting like as if they're both involved. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was like, dude, they like, they need to lean into that hard. And for the most of the movie, that's kind of what they did was he was just kind of, you know, hitting people with his, uh, I don't know what was that thing, his little harp or, or little, little mandolin or something. Mandolin. Yeah. I mean, I guess they're uh, calling it a harp, but yeah. And, um, you know, I think from that standpoint, it was good. I kind of wish there was a little bit more of that, to be honest with you. I was really enjoying that stuff. But I'll say, you know, overall, I, th- I thought I thought the movie just, um, you know, really lived up to everything I was hoping it would be. Although I, I came in with very few expectations. I, you know, I just kind of had this hope where I was like, man, this would be fun. And I think as a person who has spent a lot of time playing Dungeons and Dragons, um, it's kind of a beautiful universe where they could make movie after movie with completely different characters and completely different storylines over and over again. They could keep that going if they wanted to. And they kept That's what it I was right. thinking. Because the beauty of it is there's a new adventure every time. You can just kind of get a whole new cast of characters, same players and a whole new cast of characters and just do a new adventure. And it's all happening in the same universe, but nothing overlaps. You just kind of... The sequel could be a completely different adventuring party in a completely different area of the totally. world. Yep. And it Dealing with a whole different thing because the whole idea of right. Dungeons & Dragons is that there's adventuring parties all over the place doing You've seen all them. kinds You've of seen adventures. You've right? like the movie, yeah. right? Like they have all these different adventuring parties. And I was like, man, this is... This is smart to like get into this universe because more than any other universe, you don't have to have a cohesive storyline from movie to movie. You can just do a standalone thing over and over again. And I hope that that's what they do if yeah. this movie ends up, you know, uh, warranting a sequel because um, I think that would be the best way to approach it is just standalone adventures. Um, that, you know, um, that so wrap I've up heard the movie. that they actually are doing a, I think, a TV show based in the same world on Amazon, uh, apparently. Um, that I think will probably be a different adventuring party, you know, but maybe they'll cross over with Hugh Grant or whatever, right? Mm. Um, what was your favorite scene of the movie? 
what like what like comedy or adventure or like what action scene or what what was it what part yeah i again i'll really say i'll say even just that quick moment was was hilarious the graveyard scene where they're just like digging up skeletons and then having you know follow the the storyline was hilarious that was there was two bits in this movie where they gave a bunch of exposition but they did it in such a creative way like Chris Pine going through their history of how they got into prison and then being like, which I really think Jonathan would like to hear. Is he close by? You know what I mean? Like it kept breaking up the exposition and making a joke out of him telling this expositional story, you know, but also gave you the information that you need for the, for these characters to really care about them. You know what I mean? But then kept breaking the exposition to like make comedy. And I just, I was like, the whole time I was like, this is making the, because, you know, in a typical movie like that, they would give you like a, I don't know, a crash course where they like do all this bullshit exposition. But this one, like they made a joke out of it and I appreciated it because exposition has become one of the worst parts of watching movies. <laughs> um, the escape is very funny in that scene where immediately they're like, wait, we approved your pardon. Yeah, whatever. I was like, oh, and they're like already like... out the window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um, I, uh, yeah, that graveyard scene though, dude, man, it's funny and it hits even harder for Dungeons and Dragons players because in order to limit game breaking, elements um, they have to introduce you know twists like yeah, they have exactly. to put in little ridiculous things like that in order to like keep you from coming up with some way of of breaking the storyline and so for them to put it in the movie and then for him to be like wait why only five questions like why is it so specific and he's like i don't know man that's just the rules <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> like that hits so hard for me and it, like the, the way that like you know, there's a lot of crosstalk and stuff that's like ruining the questions that they're trying to ask this guy. Oh, and I that thought, first that one is... made me laugh so hard where he's yeah. like laughing and he's like, he's like, hey, only answer questions when I ask them uh, when I'm talking to you. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And then he dies. Yeah. He's like, did that count as a question? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and like the funniest part of that is. In a Dungeons and Dragons adventuring party, you have like five or six people in a room, uh, you know, or on a call or whatever you're playing, trying to figure out like how to collect their thoughts and get a cohesive strategy together in a moment like that. And it's often causes a lot of confusion and crosstalk as people try to figure out how to um, get their opinion in or, you know, like corral the masses. Like, and so for him to be turning around and like crosstalking with one of his other, you know, party members and then it affecting what he's trying to do was like so on the money for the Dungeons and Dragons vibe I just thought that that was really well done so really enjoyed that Um, don't disagree I will say there are a few things that I didn't like they went on so many fetch quests in this where it was just like okay now we got to go here okay now we got to go here and okay now we got to go here and then it was money for Dungeons and Dragons though that's exactly what it's like I know, but it just felt, it's like, I don't know, it's sometimes movies do that where it's just like, it's moving too fast, too many different locations, it's just too much going on, like, give me a little bit more streamlined, focused story, I guess, that was one thing, it didn't take away in this movie, it worked, because yes, that is how Dungeons & Dragons campaign goes, it's also, the cast is charming, it allowed for more comedy, it allowed for more references to the world, um, 
So I, I was fine with it in this movie, but I think in the next one, if they did a little bit more streamlined, I might appreciate it a little bit more. Um, yeah, that worked for me, to be honest with me. I, I think, you know, every time they had like an, another little fetch quest or side quest, I was like, this is exactly what the experience is like, because you'll go, sometimes you'll go into a two or three hour session and you'll just do one battle the whole time. But then other times you'll think that you're heading for a castle to go save a princess and you'll, you know, six months and 10 sessions later or however much you managed to get into that time, you will have gotten no closer to the castle and you will have gone on like a bunch of different tangents. And then suddenly it all comes to fruition because you arrive at the castle that you've been trying to get to this whole time. You've had this overarching goal that you have not been able to really make any progress towards. And then suddenly it's all comes together after a bunch of sessions. So I, I don't know, it kind of worked for me. I could see where if they keep making them like that after a while, it might get a little bit exhausting because um, I get where that might not totally play all the time on screen. But I don't know for this movie, just because it was fresh, it, it kind of landed for me. I liked it. Yeah, I the only other thing was the stone, the tablet of revival bit where I like saw this coming from when they first introduced it. I was like, oh, OK, well, obviously one of the adventuring parties going to die. And it was very kind of obvious who it was going to be. You know what I mean? Um, I may, Maybe I won't spoil that bit. But I just sort of was like, really? Is this really happening? Because as soon as at, at they defeat the Red Wizard and they show them all celebrating, I was like, oh, there's one person missing from yeah. the party. <laughs> it was you just very like clearly what was going to happen. But it's like. That is also true of those kinds of games. You know what I mean? Like I could see Jeff as a dungeon master. Like when I used to play D and D with you guys would totally throw a hiccup in there. Where it's like, Oh, one of your adventuring parties died. And this other yeah. person that you were going to revive, like, are you going to survive, revive them or blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, are you going to make him re-roll a character? Totally. Or? Yeah. It was a pretty obvious thing, but it didn't like, I'm okay with obvious sometimes if it's, if it just works for the story. Now I'll say yeah. this. Um, Totally fine. I was really impressed with their like the budget they put into that final fight scene. Like the hands fighting was really cool. The dragon coming to life was really cool. Oh, the choreography of them all, like like uh, with um, Sophia Lillis's character turning into the owl bear and like jumping, and then the her like um, the red wizard like you know you know telekinesising her out of the pit frame and then turning and blocking the wizard and the wizard you know shooting Super a fireball cool. or whatever yeah i was like this looks better than that fight scene in the last jedi that everybody talks about like it looks great and it was like a lot of like one take action scenes which i really appreciate you know what you um, know what else I, I really need to shout out here is I, I was struck by you know most movies when you got this like final confrontation coming it's like half the movie you know what i mean or like it's like this huge chunk and it's all really played out and this yeah. one they were like oh everyone's in the stadium they're about to turn them into mindless zombies what do we do and he comes up with a solution that gets everybody out of the stadium in like five minutes you know like super fast and that and then it just becomes like one final battle and like they fit it in at the end of the movie i was like looking at my watch like how do they have time for them to like solve this stadium problem i literally it? thought the same thing i looked yeah. at my watch i was like damn there's only like five minutes left is this like they're gonna like turn around and yeah. it's gonna be like to be like, continued how are they only now reaching the final action scene and then i was like like they got them out of the stadium and then they got into that final fight and i was like wow that was clean i really enjoyed that because in dungeons and dragons Oftentimes you can come up with creative solutions that help you avoid the long drawn out bullshit. You know what I mean? Sometimes you can just, you know, knock over the, you know, the, 
I don't know, the kerosene lantern that lights the enemy on fire and, and saves you having to get into a big drawn out battle. Yes. And, you know, for them to just come up with like a clever thing. And they actually came up with clever things a couple of times that I thought really helped the story. Like the mirror portal thing, the hither thither stick and them teleporting into the box. I thought that was really clever. And all those things, it's like, you know, for Dungeons and Dragons players, like 100%, like everyone, should, like if you're playing it right, you should be trying to find those opportunities to kind of like outthink the problem in front of you and not just... um you know, run headlong into a fight because oftentimes it's set up so that you're going to have a real bad time if you just run in without thinking. Um, so I, I thought it was kind of cool that they they did a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I definitely you can definitely tell that they're fans of Dungeons and Dragons, and like while they did poke fun at Dungeons and Dragons, they, they clearly love it. Man, I'm having a hard time saying Dungeons and Dragons. I feel like I'm like slurring it. Say D and D, D and D. Yeah. Anyway. Um, what else have you been watching, reading, and listening to this this week? Anything? Uh, we big? have been absolutely crushing through Yellow Jackets now. Oh, uh, who recommended you, that to you? You recommended it last week on the pod. I'll give you credit for that. Uh, wife is having a hard time at, at points with some of the horror elements. The you know, No Eyed Man. Um, you know, we we just hit uh, just finished episode two of season two, so mm, uh, okay. a little bit of There's cannibal more of him to come. Yeah, a little bit of cannibalistic elements in there. Um, but overall really intriguing storyline. Um, you know, I think it's, great I think it's been well-made great acting. Yeah. I yeah. like it. it. You know, I'm not finding it really interesting to try to like identify who's actually a protagonist because it's interesting. Right? The main because... characters that we follow, some of the, actually all of them have glaring major flaws in their characters. And so what I've been doing is trying to Severely boil it. Severely broken people. Yeah. yeah. And so I've been trying to boil it down to what are their intentions? Are their intentions noble or their inten intentions selfish? And that's been kind of like helping me in my own mind sort out who's really a protagonist versus like an anti-hero or, or whatever. Um, so, so yeah, it's been super enjoyable. Highly recommended. Season two is coming out episode by episode right now, like once a week, right? Yep. Uh, Fridays. So, so for anyone who hasn't seen it, uh, definitely fire that up if you have Amazon shows. Oh, it's uh, on Showtime, so you have to have the Showtime connection. But um, I will say, um, yeah, all of the characters in it are severely broken individuals. They're survivors. So everything they do kind of comes across as selfish because they went through this horrible thing where they had to sort of be selfish just to get out. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I think it's a really good characterization of those, that kind of person, uh, who's your favorite character and then we'll move on. Misty. Yeah. Both. The, yeah. I feel like young Misty was my VIP last season and Christina Ricci playing older Misty is great. And then it's in this mainly, season, yeah, I don't really care much about the young Misty. I think she's just, you know, a I teenage girl that I so creepy last season she's extremely <laughs> creepy and i think crazy. i think i'm having a harder time putting my arms around her just because she's just so creepy miss the adult misty like she's what i'm really talking about when i'm like like she does some kind of messed up stuff but her intentions are really noble where it's like she's just trying to be a part of the group even if we have to hide a body kind of thing like i'm just down yeah. for being a part of the group and i've got you guys kind of thing you know Oh yeah, she um, wants to be their friend so bad, but she's sort of a psycho, and they all kind of hate her. <laughs> she's a psycho, but it's like super wholesome in that she just wants to be 
accepted by them. And I'm like, I can get my arms around that. You can do some crazy stuff as long as your intentions are are noble. And and I think, I think (laughs) she cleanly falls into that category. Some of the other characters, I initially saw them as protagonists and now I'm kind of looking at them like, "Eh, I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Cool. Well, I'm glad that you checked it out and I'm glad you're liking it. Let's, uh, what else? You got anything else on that's it? On, that that's you've been it. making? That's it for me. I'm spending a lot of time on Yellow Jackets at the moment. Cool. Um, yeah, I watched, uh, the I Love You, You Hate Me Barney documentary on Peacock. It was not that good. I skip it. And that's basically it. I watched that and then I, I, you know, I have way less time for TV these days. So, um, that's, uh, everything I've been going on. I've been doing awesome. What about you, Jeff? Oh, sorry. Jeff didn't make it again. Forgot. Oh, that's right. Jeff is my bad. All right. And he was supposed to text us what movie we're going to watch. Um, going to have to week. TBD that one. Yep. I'll have to edit that one into the podcast. No big deal. Um, great. Well, thanks everybody for listening. And I guess unless Brian's got any last minute things, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks everybody. Bye. Bye.